I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the subject of a wonderful documentary and uh, the subject of a an extensive radio series prior to her having her own show. The author of 15 books, including Before the Alamo, which is her latest. Uh, so many things uh, to, to talk about. Uh, so much surrounds her uh, her home country, right? The Lone Star country, the former country of Texas, the former nation of Texas, but the state of Texas. So much going on right there. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. Doc, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Frank. How about you? Well, I'm I'm doing well, and I, I think uh, you, you have some positive news coming out of Texas, right? I mean, there hasn't been an awful lot of positive news coming out of Texas. <laughs> but it sounds like there's some uh, light at the end of the tunnel for people who aren't from the far right. Yes, indeed. I think it's on the uh, airwaves all over today. Vito uh, O'Rourke announced his run for Texas governor this morning. And, of course, everybody's all excited about that uh, because it certainly is going to uh, give uh, Greg Abbott, our governor, present governor, something to think about. Um, but, <laughs> of course, Governor Abbott has a war chest of $55 million, which is wow. more than any governor has ever raised in the history of this country. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, he raised it uh, from people who want to continue the building the wall against um, Mexico and all things Hispanic to the south. And apparently the, uh, the uh, base... Uh, responded very eagerly, and probably some uh, big think tanks as well on the on the right. Uh, so he is rolling in dough, and uh, Beto O'Rourke is not. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, it's going to be a very unequal contest in that regard. But Beto O'Rourke uh, is well known in Texas and actually uh, nationwide. Uh, because in 2019 he caused uh, uh, tidal waves <laughs> because he visited personally every small town in Texas and brought out more Democratic voters than uh, ever recorded in the state. In fact, uh, the usual percentage of voters in the, the state of Texas for, uh, for a midterm election is about 27%, which is almost dead last as far as voter participation in, uh, in any of the states. Uh, but he bought out something like 47% of Texas voters um, because he really went after uh, the little people and talked to the little people everywhere and got them excited about coming out on the right and on the left, but uh, more on the left. So, uh, so what I'm going to talk about is uh, has Governor Greg Abbott actually, since he is leaning so far to the right, is he in danger of pushing people toward the left? And so I will give uh, a litany of what Greg Abbott has done um, in order to push people away. Uh, he has, first of all, he seems to have adopted uh, California's Proposition 187, which was 
the anti-immigration bill called Save Our State. And that's definitely Abbott's attitude. He is uh, letting it be known that allowing Hispanic immigrants into our country, and especially into this state, uh, will destroy our country and our state. But the problem is that Pete Wilson, who was the one who espoused the Proposition 187, lost to the Democratic governor of that state, who was reelected. And so, once again, uh, those who are leaning so far to the right, they're in danger of keeling over, <laughs> may, may indeed keel over. And uh, there's a chance uh, that the Democrats might win this time. Okay, I'll talk more about Abbott and what he has done. For instance, for TV uh, uh, impression, for looking good on TV, he has lined up patrol cars along the bank of the Rio Grande as a show, a show of force against all comers from the south. Not that a line of cars is going to stop anybody, <laughs> but I think it's also to stimulate people who want to pay for a continuation of uh, of Trump's wall. Yeah, it's uh, also it, it's probably responsible for for raising some of that fifty five million dollars that he, you know, the show. Yes. It's a big publicity stunt. Yes, exactly. Um, and then there's the uh, the search and arrest of any car. This is uh, they can use some of those patrol cars and probably have been doing so. In fact, no doubt have uh, to arrest any. Uh, any passenger car that is carrying Hispanics, more than two, say, Hispanics. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's supposedly a measure to stop COVID-19 from coming into the state with all those infected Latin American people. And apparently there's no greater incidence of COVID-19 among them than there is here in the uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, and furthermore, it's a violation of privacy and personal freedom to be stopped and frisked. Uh, and, of, of course, the Republicans are supposed to, that is the anti-vaxxers, who are mainly Republicans, are supposed to prize personal freedom. <laughs> But it happens to be when uh, when the uh, immigration people and the police in the border towns stop cars to search uh, search for illegal immigrants, uh, it is a violation of the Constitution. Uh, nevertheless, it continues to be practiced. And then there's the anti-voting legislation that just went through our, our most recent legislature. Uh, and they passed one of the most restrictive bills in the country, which bans drive-through and 24-hour voting. And those, uh, those things are, of course, widely used by people who work crazy schedules like janitors who work at night and night watchmen and people who work from, say, noon to midnight and, and on and on. And those people uh, who don't work nine to five are mainly blacks and Hispanics, of course. Because they primarily. And also Democratic voters, exactly. Uh, so there's that bill uh, that uh, Abbott has signed into law. 
And then there's the six-week abortion ban, uh, which is driving, which he also signed into law, which is driving women one day uh, past six weeks uh, to seek abortions out of state if they can afford it. Uh, And it has had the effect of closing down Planned Parenthood that served women's health in other matters besides abortion, of course. And so now it's tougher than ever to find qualified doctors to take care of women's health in general uh, in the state of Texas. My gosh. Yeah, so it's really it's tough on women. Um, but, of course, women are an inferior uh, brand of humanity, as we all know, can be paid two-thirds of what men are paid for the same job, et cetera. Yeah, you're not, you're not that, terrible. Is this, uh, boy, that... We're living in the dark ages still in certain respects. Yes, and this is not restricted to Texas. This is all over the country, the United States, that women are routinely paid far less. And as a professor, uh, I found out that it was also the case with me. I was paid far less than my male uh, counterparts who were teaching the same subjects and less, less well because we women have to work twice as hard in order to qualify to be hired in the first, first place. Um, and consequently, my, my uh, retirement pay is far less than it should be. Uh, so we, we women are not always coddled and taken care of by the male, uh, our husbands. My husband's been dead now for over 20 years, so I have to live on... <coughs> on my measly uh, retirement pay. Uh, and it ain't right. Um, somehow we have to catch up yeah. uh, and be able to sustain ourselves in, in later life, not to mention during life, women who are uh, sole parents, for instance, of a family. Anyhow, uh, so the same is true with women's health. Uh, in general, uh, and of course, with women who are in desperate need for one reason or another of an abortion. And then there's the gerrymandering of this state, which has uh, reached an extreme. The minority population grew hugely during the past decade, and the latest gerrymandering maps have uh, cut Hispanic representation by two representatives. They were already un, uh, underrepresented 10 years ago, and now they have increased substantially, and they still, uh, they now have two less representatives. And blacks who had one representative a decade ago have none, no representation, period. So gerrymandering is a major factor, but, of course, the Supreme Court, uh, back, I think, to 1917, um, 1917, uh, decided that states no longer have to submit their plans for redistricting to a, 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 a neutral agency to see whether they have uh, discriminated racially. And now they are going to, really going to town to do so and have done so. And then there's the banning of COVID-19 vaccines. 
vaccination mandates and mask wearing mandates in Texas schools, as well as in Texas businesses that employ more than 100 persons. And uh, paradoxically, Republicans are supposed to believe in small government, but Governor Abbott has taken on a dictatorial policy there as far as banning, forcing uh, our Texas schools not to mandate mask wearing or vaccination, which they are all qualified for by now. And so he is actually endangering the health of our children. But children be damned. Uh, he's, he's pleasing his base. And that is all he has in mind because he is scared and has been scared of Beto O'Rourke all along. And furthermore, he's got two, uh, two uh, right-wing uh, Republican uh, candidates against him. So he is running against two Republicans uh, who are farther right than he is, but he is going so far, he thinks he might hold on to those people who would be voting for the other two, uh, as well as, of course, trying to, to uh, uh, hold on to the, uh, to the Trumpers uh, in order to get back in office. And... Um, Will it be, this is my point with all this litany of what he has done, will it be those same radical right policies that will cause Texans to wing towards the left? And despite his war chest of $55 million, uh, will what happened to Wilson in California, will it happen to him too? And may he actually be helping to elect Beto O'Rourke. And so that is that is what I have to say about Governor Abbott and the announcement this morning by Beto O'Rourke that he is going to uh, run for governor. And I know very well he's going to visit all those little towns in Texas the way he did last time and uh, uh, go into the uh, McDonald's and the little uh, little uh, grocery stores and so on and talk to the people. And the people really enjoy that if, if a candidate pays real attention to them. So he may have a chance. Yeah. Who knows? I, I mean, a, a couple of quick points on, on Beto O'Rourke. Uh, he, uh, he, he's a very bright guy, and his political people are, are intelligent highly intelligent they see an opportunity here and that's you know he can count and he hears 55 million dollars but what they hear also is and this is just you know a, a quick little assessment of it if they could raise 55 million dollars from the uh, the the haters or the the people that are um, that want to stop the uh, the immigration from coming in and uh, and really, I mean, it's you know, a, a lot of this is just pure prejudice. They feel that they could raise significant money from the opposite side because they're just as passionate. The anti-haters, you know, the the people that that are against prejudice and and so forth, they are, um, you know, they're passionate about their stance also. So 
Yes. Beto mm-hmm. O'Rourke will be a national, well, he is a national figure, but this will be a national race. And that $55 million that uh, Governor Abbott uh, raises proves that it's a national um, race because he didn't get that from Texas and Texas alone, I guarantee. I haven't looked at the receipts, but I can, I can <laughs> assure you. That uh, that these are coming from Trumpers all over the all over the country. These are people that were screaming, "Build a wall, build a wall!" And some people are in California, some people are in in uh, Iowa, some people are in New York. But these are, you know, a- anti uh, uh, Mexican folks, you know, and and certainly anti immigration. But uh, you know, again. There's a lot of prejudice mixed in there. I'm not saying everyone that is in favor of doing that is a bigot, but there's a lot of bigots that find their homes um, uh, with uh, with this kind of movement. And uh, so uh, Beto O'Rourke knows that, uh, and his people know, that, hey, we're going to get a lot of free press on this. There's going to be a lot of uh, attention. And his name recognition will be through the roof. And um, I'll tell you what, I won't count them out. You know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Texas, uh, you know, could be a big, huge thing. Midterm elections are, are usually obviously not good for the, the those in power and those with the White House. But uh, trust me, they're looking at numbers. This isn't they're not jumping into this willy nilly. Uh, several weeks ago, you and I wouldn't have believed that Beto was going to get in. Now he's announced that he's getting in. A lot of thought has gone into this. All right. Absolutely, and I sure I, I'm sure there are a lot of assurances from the Democratic establishment that they're going to raise money like crazy. Uh, so, uh, so I'm sure he will have a substantial war chest before long. Maybe he already has a, a substantial war chest uh, from the Democratic uh, institutions and uh, think tanks and so forth. Uh, so I wouldn't count him out at all. Indeed, I think it's going to be quite a quite a race. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very and great points on your end. Uh, you've been uh, you you've been following this uh, this for a while, and you've been following Texas. Uh, I guess for, since you've lived there, maybe before you lived there, but uh, nothing has been more polarizing than the, the politics in in the state of Texas. Um, as of late, I mean, it, it is it is amazing, and it's going to be it's going to be a pay per view event basically, and it's uh, can't miss TV every time uh, uh, you know CNN is on, or for the Republicans, um, uh, Fox News or Newsmax is on. Uh, this is going to get a tremendous amount of attention. Yes, oh, no, no question about it. Oh, there's Fox and uh, Newsmax are going to vilify Beto and try to. Uh, uh, isolate uh, quotations that they can use against him and and stuff like that i'm sure uh so uh, and they'll tell lies um <laughs> and uh well who knows I, the problem in texas is that every time i go in anywhere into any public place including the gym where i work out uh fox news is on and uh, at the gym, it's not exclusively Fox News because there are all these uh, exercise films that are also on. But if uh, if there is one news station on, it will be Fox. Uh, so 
uh, Texans are inundated with Fox News. And as we all know, Fox News is a propaganda uh, station for the far right and very Trumpian. Uh, and so uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a hard road. It's going to be an, a, a steep and narrow pass for uh, Beto O'Rourke to fight the fact that people only hear Fox News. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I I kind of despair when I uh, when I go in and see that people are paying close attention to whatever uh, whatever is being spewed on uh, on that news network. Uh, Newsmax not so much, but I'm sure that uh, uh, at home when people are uh, maybe Fox is uh, is running a different program an entertainment program of which they they do very well they have very good entertainment uh and and sports uh and so maybe fox will be doing that and somebody wants to hear the latest politics they'll go to newsmax uh so um say they will not go to msnbc i haven't seen any station tuned to msnbc when i go around town so blasphemy <laughs> around uh, around texas MSNBC. You see, that's that communist net network, or that's that. that yeah, yeah, right. Left right. Crazy network. And CNN, CNN also. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, what I, else I wanted to talk about today uh, was uh, something that um, a, an editorial writer named Ruben Navarrete. Um, has uh, has written about, and I think uh, it's very much on my side of the question uh, of COVID vaccines and, and anti-vaxxers. Uh, and he published an editorial today, and I'm going to be quoting from it from time to time, and his title was, Ignorance is the Real Menace, Not COVID Vaccines. <laughs> and that's for sure, yeah. And, of course, that is also has something to do with Fox News and Newsmax. Uh, so he says, this is Ruben, uh, Ruben Everett says, uh, he has tried to be patient and understanding with anti-vaxxers, but they have only become more entrenched and divided the country even more. And he says, and this is a direct quote, they have become so full of themselves they probably worry a single needle jab would pop them like a balloon full of hot air. <laughs> and, <laughs> and most of the, these uh, anti-vaxxers are actually Republicans, and I have found that to be true among my own friends and, uh, and people that I deal with in, uh, in business. Um, and that, of course, includes uh, quite a few GOP governors who will probably seek their their party's presidential nomination when the time comes. And they think that opposing vaccine mandates is a winning issue with the base. Public health be damned. So uh, there are 26 Republican states that have sued to block Biden's mandate that businesses employing more than 100 people either get vaccinated or, or undergo tests once a week. And, of course, those tests 
once a week become a burden for the employees who refuse vaccines uh, because they are done at the employee's expense. <laughs> so that's another inducement to go get the vaccination, for heaven's sake. And most striking, uh, among the anti-vaxxers uh, is the fact that police and firefighters and many doctors and nurses are less likely to be vaccinated than the general public, which is 77% vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, that is unbelievable, especially the doctors and nurses. But uh, many of them have not been vaccinated at all. 77% of the rest of us have been vaccinated at least once. And, of course, a percentage of that, probably 55 or so, have been vaccinated completely and maybe even had a booster. So here we are. We have the first responders whose job is to protect and serve. But you can't protect the public if you're running the risk of exposing them to a deadly virus. And that deadly virus has already killed more than 750 million people since March of 2020. Wow. And Amazing. 750 million people. Is That's not even an, an imaginable number. I can't conceive of it. And the bad thing is that they, uh, these people who are usually uh, Gen Xers, uh, so they're between 25 and 50, I think, is the span of Gen X, uh, they want to be t uh, those uh, first among those first responders because they want the perks of being a public service uh, servant, but not the poke, as as Nazareth says. They want the perks, but not the poke. Yeah. In Chicago and Los Angeles and New York City, the police unions have opposed vaccine mandates. And in Denver, the police have sued to block a vaccine mandate, but a judge struck down the the, uh, the challenge. So at least in Denver, uh, so far they have to uh, either take the vax or take the test once a week and pay for it. So the resistance uh, is confusing especially to those of us who believe that the first responders exist to enforce others to obey the rules when they are suing to be exempted from obeying the rules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> unbelievable. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the, what's more unbelievable, the amount of deaths that, uh, that was caused by uh, COVID-19 and, and rising, uh, or... Uh, the fact that there are still anti-vaxxers or people that are denying that the vaccine is helpful. It, yes. One or the other is is uh, is just as amazing. Yes, and then, and they are turning to these uh, uh, these medications for malaria for one thing, and that was the first one that uh, that uh, Trump recommended. And then the other one, uh, the anti-tapeworm medication for horses and cows and uh, other animals. <laughs> that is not for human beings. Um, well, I guess it would be for human beings if you got a tapeworm. But <laughs> but it certainly is 
is not going to kill the virus, wow. uh, the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> Just wow. So, yeah, so we hear a lot from these anti-vaxxers about rights and freedoms, and I mentioned this before. Uh, but not so much about the responsibilities that come with exercising rights and freedoms. And so they are so eager to assert the autonomy of the individual that they've lost sight of the price that one pays to belong to a community. You've got to consider other people. (laughs) It isn't liberty and freedom, but instead it's selfishness and madness. And Navarrete ends his editorial with the words, and unfortunately, there is no shot for selfishness and madness. <laughs> just, yeah, just amazing. Just an amazing... Yeah, so, yeah. so it is, astonishingly, it is the very people who are supposed to be forcing us to obey the rules, or not forcing us, but in ensuring that we do. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're the ones who are resisting following the rules. <laughs> I laugh, but it's not funny. No. <laughs> because they really are exposing uh, the rest of the community to the disease that they're supposed to be saving us from. I, I, oh, can't, well. I can't get over... I can't get over the, um, the the passion behind the anti-vaxxing movement, and again, yeah. you know they're you know they're in my body, my right, uh, except for when it, it comes to a woman's reproductive system. It's uh, right. You know it's uh, you know a lot of these issues um, are well. Is it convenient for my argument at this particular moment? And that's uh, that's where we are and um you know the word hypocrisy uh, slips in uh to mind uh, in almost immediately on, uh, yes. on so many different occasions yes indeed right and yes and this, that's a major point that uh we're supposed to have absolute control over our own bodies at the uh, even if it endangers everybody around us um, but women are not allowed that when it comes, as you say, when it comes to bearing babies once you get pregnant, whether it was an accidental case or incest or rape or whatever. If you get pregnant, then you are forced to bear that baby to term. Uh, and uh, and therefore, uh, you don't have freedom as far as... As far as that is concerned, and believe me, pregnancy uh, will take up your entire life. Uh, you won't uh, you won't be thinking about anything else when you're pregnant, especially in the last few months. So, um, forcing a woman who was raped, for instance, to have that baby is something that will destroy her. Yeah. <laughs> And and honestly, brings the child into this world um, as a uh, as a forced situation rather than a loved. And again, that doesn't mean that the mother is going to not love that that child. But uh, you know, it's it, you know the the relationship between a woman and her body should be uh, belong. Uh, the decision making should be belong in one uh, person's hands, and that's that woman. And uh, it's it just. 
you know, hey, look, you, if you want to make the argument that uh, that you you don't have to get the vaccine because it's your body, okay, but don't don't turn around and say that a woman can't make the decision on uh, on on uh, her on her body. I mean, it could be her life on the line. It could be you know she could be being told that you're going to you're going to die or there's a chance that you might die if you go to term on this on, on this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're basically saying, well, now it's now illegal. You have to accept that. You have to accept the fact that you will die, um, you know, for uh, for the reason of an unwanted pregnancy. And again, I, right. I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, I would have a very difficult time aborting, if it was my decision, aborting any child. Um, but in the situation that you gave, uh, in the case of Millie, who, uh, you know, had a hunchback, and she had, you know, a serious disability, and she was impregnated by a, a janitor with Down syndrome. Uh, I mean, that decision to uh, to not have that child is, I'm sure, was the most difficult um, situation in, in in Millie's life. You know, to to make yes. that decision. But she made the decision, and and she was uh, she was capable of making her own. She was a nurse. She was making health decisions for other people, or she was at least, you know, uh, making um, uh, making decisions that, that help in a, I don't know what her form of nursing was, but in medical emergencies, uh, quick snap decisions, she, and, and she should have been able to have her, um, her decision-making ability on her own body, and she wasn't, and thank God for uh, young Florence, who took her out of state and uh, and and allowed her to to do what she felt was right for her body? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, Millie's case was uh, was one where uh, the baby most likely would have had a severe disability, and either mental or physical, or both, <laughs> and uh, and so it was merciful. Uh, not to have the baby, uh, to uh, have to cope uh, in, in in a hostile and difficult world where he would have been, he, she would have been dependent uh, on the state, probably, uh, for survival. Um, there are so many unwanted children in the United States. It's okay. The fetus has more rights for pro-lifers. It's the fetus who has all the rights. The woman bearing the fetus has almost no rights, no rights to cho- choose not to have this child, uh, certainly. Uh, and then once the child is born, these same people who forced the woman to have the baby will not take care of the unwanted child. Uh, the uh, foster care uh, in Texas is a disaster. And, uh, and these kids uh, usually grow up to be criminals because they are handed around from one foster family to another. They're often abused uh, and always, almost, always uh, exploited. Um, so, and they're not loved, and a child that is not loved uh, always turns bad in one way or another. Either goes, goes crazy uh, or is a person hater, antisocial, uh, and and so on. I mean, it's just 
a miserable situation if you are forced to have a child and then you reject that child uh, because it's a child of rape or of incest. Um, and so there you are. It, it's uh, it's a dilemma here in the country. And in Texas, of course, uh, women are, and especially poor women who uh, who will not be able to take care of the child once it's born. But uh, uh, pro-lifers still sort of dust their hands of the child then once it's out of the womb. Oh, yeah, the state will take care of that kid, but the state does not. Just amazing. Just, uh, uh, just uh, wonderful insight on, on all of these difficult issues, Doc. And uh, if, if you would, maybe leave us with a, you know, and again, uh, in politics, in politics, if you don't like the way things are going, wait, in 10 minutes, everything could be completely different. It's an old expression. <laughs> well, that's one, one good thing. And the other good thing is <laughs> that there are more and more Democratic voters in Texas <laughs> as the population grows. Uh, and so maybe uh, maybe Beto O'Rourke will have a chance. Uh, <laughs> so anybody listening to me in Texas, uh, this is my hope, and I hope also yours. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me just say this on on no, and it's a nice place to end on November fifteenth, two thousand and twenty-one. Um, your, do you have a prediction you want to make now, and then we'll check back in on it as Beto uh, gets more traction, gets more attention, gets more uh, support and more money? Uh, what's your What's your prediction now? Uh, I we all know it's an uphill battle uh, for uh, for different reasons, but do you Do you have a prediction you want to state now, or do you want to wait? Oh, I want to wait. Yeah. I want to wait. I think. Uh, I think that he is going to, uh, as you said already, uh, he's going to garner uh, support from all over the nation. And so he may build up a considerable war chest himself. Uh, I pray that he will. <laughs> he, sh- he should give Abbott a run for his money, certainly, because Abbott has chosen, I think, uh, the, the down-sloping wide path that leads to perdition, but uh, of course that's my that's my uh, slant on things. Uh, uh, but in in taking the the Trump uh, side of things, in order to hold on to a base that may or may not uh, be a winning base, uh, he may be sinking himself. Now, we're gonna see we're gonna see how it all plays out. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. You're most welcome, Frank. It's always a pleasure. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our host each and every week. And uh, by her latest, her latest is uh, Before the Alamo, and it's her 15th book. And uh, just uh, wonderful work, as always. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>